Thank you, choir. I appreciate you singing that this morning. That's one of my favorite hymns. That's a great message, the lighthouse. Man, if it wasn't for the lighthouse, if it wasn't for Jesus, wherever this old ship be, i tell you. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading with verse 22. Luke 2, verse 22. And we'll read uh, through verse 40. Luke 2, verse 22, through verse 40. Luke 2 is known as the Christmas passage. and We're going to pick up about right in the middle. Luke 2, verse 22. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, speaking uh, speaking about Jesus, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, are two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit, Unto the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own so also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineel, the tribe of Asher, who uh, she was of great age and had lived with a husband for seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in the instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. When they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew. And waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. If there's one thing that I've noticed about the Christmas season, it's that kids 
And some adults have a hard time waiting for Christmas. I have a hard time waiting for Christmas. I mean, it's when I was a child especially, Christmas just didn't come fast enough. Recently, I read some actual letters that children had written Santa, and I want to read about four short letters. These are actual letters. Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there'll be cookies for you, but if you're real hungry, you can use our phone and just order pizza to go. <laughs> Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time. Sometimes I'm wild. Dear Santa, this is from a four-year-old. I'll take anything because I haven't been that good. <laughs> and I guess this is my favorite. Dear Santa, I'm not going to ask for a lot. Here's my list. The Edge of Sketch, two packs of number two pencils, Crayola fat markers, and the big gift, my own color TV. Well, maybe you could drop the pencils. I don't want to be real selfish. <laughs> Pretty good. I can remember when I used to write my list. Sure can. I remember wanting a Roy Rogers guitar. And as Judy is my witness, I still have that guitar. Really do. I can remember when I was wanting my first gun. One Christmas, when I was 11 years old, I got my first 22 Winchester rifle. Still have that rifle. Christmas is associated with waiting. Waiting. I know in our kitchen we have a countdown calendar. Right now it's 18 days to Christmas. Saw that last night. Went in the bathroom this morning. There's a countdown calendar in there. Judy had it. 18 days to Christmas. Waiting's kind of hard to do. Christmas. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Are you longing for anything? Are you looking forward to something special? Are you looking forward to someone special? Perhaps family's coming in. Family members are coming in from out of town and and man, you're just looking forward to seeing them, and you feel like you don't have enough time because Christmas is getting here too soon. You're not going to be ready for them. But yet Christmas seems to be far away because it seems like you haven't seen them in a long time, and, and you, you'd like to see them sooner than 18 days from now. Luke chapter 2, we find two people who are in the Christmas drama or the Christmas narrative that we very seldom think about, hear about. Simeon, known as Simon, and a prophetess by the name of Anna. Now, you won't find them displayed like we have here in a nativity set. You won't find their picture on a Christmas card. You won't find their story listed on a Christmas card. However, Simeon and Anna are very significant people in the Christmas story. You see, both of these individuals are waiting for something. They're waiting for something. They're waiting for someone. In verse 25, if you'll look at verse 25, Luke chapter 2, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting, here it is, 
waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, there in verse 25, Luke uses a Greek word that identifies uh, Simeon and Anna as uh, waiting with expectation. Uh, they're waiting for the coming Messiah. They're, 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 they were ready to welcome the Messiah. King James says they're waiting for. The New Living Translation says they're eagerly waiting. They're just perhaps on, on the edge of their seat waiting for the Messiah to come. And verse 25 says that Simeon was waiting. Verse 38 describes Anna looking forward. Uses the same word, waiting, looking forward. So the question is, what were they waiting for? I'm going to take Simeon first. What was Simeon waiting for? Well, the Bible says in verse 25 that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That verse also says that he was a righteous man, which simply means he was righteous before God. He was right before God. How would you like for that to be said of you? Man, I would love that to be said of me, that Sammy was a righteous man, that he was right before God. But he also said he was a devout man. A devout man. He was right with God. He was... He was what God required him to be, but he was a devout man. He was reverent toward God. However, Simeon was living in a time where things were not going well for God's people. It was a pretty tough time. They'd not heard from God for almost 500 years, from Micah to Matthew. There was about 500 years gap there. Some say four, some say 500 years. Been a long time since they'd heard from God. They'd not heard from God. They were under this harsh rule, the Roman Empire. They had no political independence whatsoever. They had no say-so in the government whatsoever. And they were living in fear of a very cruel king by the name of Herod. So things weren't going good for Simeon and God's people during this time. And many wondered, with all of this going on, and in the time they lived, when is this Messiah coming? Because when the Messiah comes, Christ would be their consolation. He's waiting for the consolation. He's waiting, Christ would be their consolation. He would be their, their hope. But notice in verse 26, Simeon had another reason for waiting. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And God had promised him that you're not going to die until the, the Messiah comes. And so Simeon, his expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. He was waiting for the comfort that Christ would bring. You know, one of the great titles of the Messiah is the Comforter. has many titles, but He is the Comforter. And while Christ was here, He was the Comforter. When He went away, He said, I shall not leave thee comfortless, but I'll send you a Comforter, the Comforter, a Paraclete. The word Comforter in the Greek is Paraclete. It refers to one who comes along beside of us, 
who walks with us and stays with us. Comforter. So the Messiah was going to be the comforter. So the people were longing for Christ to come and bring comfort to them. They needed to be comforted. They prayed for comfort. They they sung songs about comfort. We sang Christmas hymns about comfort. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and comfort thy people, Israel. They, They needed the comforter. You see, comfort... It's not just for Israel. Comfort is a universal need. I need comfort. You need comfort. Comfort is a universal need. We struggle today with with, uh, loneliness. Noticed in the Alabama Baptist a couple of weeks ago, half the paper was given to the article of loneliness. We need comfort. Emptiness. We need comfort. Insecurity. We need comfort. He's the comforter. We're told that the Christmas season is one of the most major crisis times of the year for depression and suicide. Don't think people don't need a comforter. We need someone to comfort us. Verse 27, notice what he says. And he came by the Spirit unto the temple. Notice that. He came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law, he took, speaking of Simeon, he goes over when they bring baby Jesus into the temple, he goes over and Simeon takes baby Jesus, holds him up perhaps in the air, and begins to praise God for the comforter, for the consolation of Israel. Joseph and Mary were kind of taken back. But what's What's kind of neat here in verse 27, the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple on just the right day at just the right time. And notice, just as Joseph and Mary was bringing Jesus into the temple. And when Simeon looked and saw Jesus, he knew that God had kept his promise. Verse 28, and he took him up in his arms. And he blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy words. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. Here, right before his own eyes, was the Messiah, was Emmanuel, God with us. The consolation of Israel was right before him to make everything right. The consolation of Israel was right before him to eliminate all the rejection and all fear and all loneliness. The consolation of Israel was right before him. Verse 28, He took him up in his arms and he blessed God. Thank you, Lord, in so many words for bringing comfort to the Jew, but also, verse 32, a light given to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Uh, He's a comforter not just for Israel, but he's a comforter for you and comforter for me. So first of all, Simeon was looking for a consolation of Israel, the consolation, comfort for Israel and for us. Thank God that he sent the comforter into the world to all people, God. So first, Simeon was waiting for the comforter, but what about Anna? What's she waiting for? Well, Anna's waiting for forgiveness. You know, after Anna's husband died, 
She dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. The Bible says that she never left the temple, but she worshipped day and night. Look at verse 37. And she was a widow of about fourscore four years, which departed not from the temple, but she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She was there all the time. I mean, she could have checked off if she prayed at church. You know, she prayed every day at church. If she fasted. She was always at church. And she was, she was looking forward to the same person that Simeon had looked for, but she was looking forward for a different reason. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for forgiveness. Look at verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks. Now you've got both showing up at the same time. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Look for redemption. The word redemption there is related to the ideal of captivity. You know, the Old Testament Passover and the Exodus out of Egypt was thought of in Anna's day as the ultimate redemption for God's people. But really it was just a symbol that God was going to release people captive of sin, bondage to sin. So the Passover and the Exodus just pointed to a day that God would deliver and redeem people, not from physical slavery and bondage, but deliver people from sin, to redeem them from sin. Therefore, when Anna saw baby Jesus, she just gave thanks to God, and she spoke to others, and she says, Here is the redemption. Verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of Him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. So here's the one who will save His people from their sins. So what's the point, Brother Sammy, in Simeon and Anna? Well, the point is Jesus provides what we need. Simeon needed comfort and it was provided in Christ. Anna needed redemption, and it was provided in Christ. So the big question is, what are you waiting for this Christmas? Whatever it is, Jesus can give it to you. I mean, spiritually speaking, emotionally speaking, mentally speaking, physically speaking to, in some regards, not selfishly speaking. Now, first of all, can you identify with Simeon this morning? Do you need comfort? I mean, are you hurting right now because of some reason? Do you feel lonely right now? Do you feel afraid? Do you kind of feel maxed out? Do you kind of feel burned out today? Do you, do you need comfort? Do you need consoling, consolation? Consoling. Do you need a, a fresh sense of God's presence in your life? I pray and it doesn't seem that God hears my prayer. That type. Are you going through that right now? Listen, you can find whatever you need in regards to comfort in Jesus. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. Can you identify with Simeon? Secondly, do you identify with Anna? Are you suffering 
because of guilt this Christmas. Maybe because of the guilt of of some sin or some lifestyle or, or some addiction. Do you feel trapped in a pattern of sin and and you just can't break out? You're held captive and in bungees. But see, if you need need released from your sin, if you need released from your bondage, your captivity, Jesus can give that to you. If you need forgiveness, Jesus can give it to you today. Now, in order to receive His comfort and forgiveness, I noticed some things in Simeon's life and Anna's life I'll mention to you real quick. First of all, you must be a mover. A mover. Verse 27, notice, And he came, speaking of Simeon, by the Spirit into the temple. What does that signify? He moved. In order to receive the comfort of God, the redemption of God, you've got to be a mover. Verse 38, she says she, she came in that instant, speaking of Anna. She's moving. Simeon and Anna were movers. You see, when the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they didn't sit still. When the Holy Spirit prompted them to get up, prompted Simeon to get up, go to the temple. Now, he had a choice. He didn't have to go to the temple. He could have stayed wherever he was. But he'd miss seeing the consolation of Israel. She didn't have to get up and move, being led by the Spirit of God. But she would miss seeing the redemption of Israel. What would have happened if they just sat still? Every person, every person in the Christmas drama were movers. Every person were movers. They responded to the Spirit's leading, with an exception to one, and that was Herod. But as you think of the Christmas narrative, And look at the nativity. All those active in the Christmas narrative were movers. Mary, in chapter Luke chapter 1, verse 38, arose and went into the hill. Joseph, in Matthew 1, 24, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. The shepherds in Luke 2, 15 says, let's go to Bethlehem. The wise men saw the star. Moved out and followed the star. Here's the point. When God prompts you to do something, then you need to do it. It might mean salvation for some today if you act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It may mean a surrendered life, a full surrendered life to other Christians today if you act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It may be following the Lord in believers' baptism if you act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It may be a new commitment in serving people if you act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit. It may be surrendering to missions or to the pastoral ministry or whatever. If you act on the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I mean, how many times have you sat in church and people have told me, I shouldn't have sat there, Brother Sammy. 
I mean, how do you expect for God to bless you when He's wanting to bless you when you refuse to move for the Lord? Are you a mover? Are you willing to move? The point is, when the Spirit prompts you to move, if you refuse or to hesitate, you're going to miss the blessing God has for you. Look at verse 34. I'm about finished. Verse 34 says this, And and Simeon blessed them, and he said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. Isn't that strange? This child you're holding is set for the the fall and the rising of many in Israel. He didn't say, Merry Christmas, Mary and Joseph. Happy New Year. He didn't say that. He said something that was very coarse, something that was very harsh to some degree. He tells Mary that Christmas will never be merry. And New Year's will never be happy in so many words until people get moving and surrender their lives to the Lord. You want to have a happy New Year? You want to have a Merry Christmas? And sit still when the Lord's prompting you to do something? It'll never be merry, and your New Year will never be happy if you sit in disobedience to the Lord when He's prompting you to move and do something. You see, Christmas splits people into two groups. Let me say it this way. Jesus splits, two, splits people into two groups. According to this verse, Jesus causes the falling and the rising of many. Now, how is that? Well, because of who Jesus is and because what he came to do, he forces people to make a decision about it. He's a rock that you'll build your life on, then you rise him. Youth, if you build your life on Christ, you're going to be rising. Adults, if you build your life on Christ, if you raise your family on Christ, if you build your marriage on Christ, you're going to be rising in your life. Or, he's going to be a rock that you'll stumble over and you'll fall. So today, Jesus is calling each of us to make a decision. Based on our willingness to respond, will we rise or do we choose to fall? Because you can't stay neutral when it it comes to Jesus. You're either moving closer to God today or you're moving farther away from God today. You either have the Son of God or you're lost without the Son of God. So what are you waiting for this Christmas? Like Simeon? Waiting for comfort? Like Anna? Waiting for forgiveness? I found this. I want to share it with you. It really spoke to me, and it really brings home the point. It says, whoever takes the sun is the title of this. Many years ago, there was a wealthy man who shared a passion for art collecting with his son. They had priceless works of Picasso and Van Gogh adorning the walls of their family estates. As winter approached, 
War engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve in his country. And after only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram that his son had died. Distraught and lonely, the old man faced the upcoming Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season had vanished with the death of his son. On Christmas morning, a knock on the door awakened the depressed old man. And as he walked to the door, the masterpieces of art on the walls only reminded him that his son was not coming home. As he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. And the soldier said, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. The soldier mentioned that he was an artist, and he gave the old man the package. The paper gave way to reveal a portrait of the man's son. Though the world would never consider it the work of a genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man hung the portrait over the fireplace, pushing aside the millions of dollars worth of art. His task completed, the old man sat in his chair and he spent Christmases gazing at the gift that he'd been given. The painting of his son soon became his most prized possession, far eclipsing any interest in the pieces of art for which museums around the world clamored. The following spring, the old man died. The art world waited with anticipation for the upcoming auction. According to the will of the old man, all the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day that he had received the greatest gift. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from all around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled that day. The auction began with a painting that was not in anyone's, on anyone's museum's list. It was the painting of a man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid, but the room was silent. Who will open the bidding with a hundred dollars? But no one spoke. Finally, someone said, Who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's move on to the good stuff. The auctioneer replied, No, we have to sell this one first. Now, who will take the son? Finally, a neighbor of an old man offered ten dollars. That's all I have. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer saying, going once, going twice, gone. And the gavel fell. Cheers filled the room and someone exclaimed, now we can get on and bid on the real treasures. The auctioneer looked at the room filled with people and announced that the auction was over. Everyone was stunned. Someone spoke up and said, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a painting of someone's son. There are millions of dollars worth of art here. What's going on? And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the son gets it all. What are you waiting for? If you just take the son... You can have it all. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for this time of the year that we can focus upon uh, the birth of Jesus. And so now at this time, we, we come as we've just thought about Simeon and we thought about Anna. Simeon waiting for comfort. 
Anna waiting for redemption, forgiveness through the coming Messiah. But he's here. And you teach us in your word and you tell us, you promise us that whoever takes the Son has it all. And so I pray for every person here this morning. I pray as they're moved by the Spirit of God, they'll act on the Spirit's leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.